Michaela Wilkes on the mic and I am so excited for today's episode. Honestly, I've been praying and thinking about it so much and um, I get to do it with my absolute favorite person on the entire earth, the one and only Grayson Wilkes. Hello, brave and beautiful. <laughs> I'm honored. As my first male. In first male, my husband. It's still so crazy to kind of say that. It's crazy. It's wild. Yeah, but we have just been uh, living in our Fort Myers apartment and we have this amazing time in the morning where we get to just uh, be in the word, be in worship and have a devotional time together. And honestly, the last couple of weeks, this reoccurring theme has come up where we feel like we just need to talk about it. And that includes um, Grayson's testimony, uh, which a lot of you guys don't know about. It includes um, a general theme around anxiety, depression, and the mental health stigma. And so I apologize for not getting this up earlier, but Grayson, uh, he works for the Viage Group down in Naples, so he is a boat and yacht salesman, and I caught him on his off day, so <laughs> I'm like, oh great, it's your off day, you're on the mic. Yep. Um, but yeah, kind of transitioning over to a little bit more of a serious topic before Grayson gets into his testimony. Um, the last couple weeks, I've really uh, still been grappling with what happened in January with the whole Chesley Chris situation. And for anyone who doesn't know, um, Chesley Chris was a former Miss USA. She went on to uh, be a extra correspondent on red carpet. She interviewed people like Lady Gaga and Taylor Swift. And she also was a former lawyer. And she really just had this like dream job and this dream look and this dream life from the outside. And on social media, it was really easy for a lot of people that followed her to just be like, how can you have it all truly like this is someone that had the brains had the beauty had the title had the status and had the wealth too and it came out at the end of january so a little over a month and a half ago um that she took her life and this shocked not only the pageant community but it shocked um honestly a lot of people that just knew of her and even didn't know her because this was a prime example of someone that was battling something so serious and no one no one saw it coming. And so, you know, as I was processing this whole situation with Grayson, um, it, it really deepened um, our point of topic more into this mental health stigma going around. And I said, you know, what better person to get on the microphone for my podcast than my husband who has walked through this since the age of 12? And um, I kind of want to just toss it over to you, um, you know, with the whole Chesley situation that brought in or that brought up, you know, your testimony with mm -hmm. your dad. And so I kind of just want you to share with the listeners um, what you've walked through personally with your own dad since a young boy. Yeah. So um, from Fort Myers and I have three older brothers. Mm -hmm. Youngest of four. Youngest of four, mm -hmm. just like Michaela, but Switch. Yep. She's the oldest of four. So mm -hmm. that actually works out pretty great. We, <laughs> we have a make good marriage. A, yeah, we yeah. make a good team. <laughs> um, but <clears throat> my family is amazing. Um, I had an amazing childhood. And uh, things kind of started taking a turn when I was around, like Michaela said, 11 or 12. Mm. Um, my parents, although loved each other dearly, dearly, uh, my, my dad was a, a struggling individual with a lot of different areas in his life. 
um, when it came to alcohol, uh, depression, had a bipolar disorder, anxiety, mm-hmm. um, struggled with some other worldly things. And, and, and also something to point out, he was a really strong believer. Wow. And I think, you know, I think something to always mention is that just because we're believers doesn't mean we have to struggle or doesn't mean we're not going to struggle. Absolutely. Especially when it comes to um, the world, when it comes to sin, you know, we are all tempted and yes, Jesus gives us a way out every single time we're tempted, but doesn't mean we're not going to struggle. Exactly. Um, so my, my dad, like I said, struggled with all these things and my, my parents ended up actually getting separated um, when I was 11. And something to point out, uh, my brothers, yes, I'm the youngest of, youngest of, so I have three older brothers, so youngest of four, or youngest of three? Youngest of four. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, so they, my oldest brother, is, his name's Alex, and he's 36, and then my two twins, uh, Kevin and Sean, they are 33. Wow. I think. Yep. Um, hopefully they're not listening and they're upset, because <laughs> I just like, got their age dude, wrong. really? Yeah, it's like, come on. Um, and then I'm 25, so quite, quite the age gap, so... Mm-hmm. When this is all going down, for the most part, my brothers are in college, out of the house, and I'm just walking through this, obviously not alone, because you know they're still there, but they're not there to experience everything as I'm seeing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you were also, at the time, what, only 14 years old? No, I was old? 11. You were 11. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, just think, when I was 11, I mean, I was so sensitive to everything that was happening around Oh, yeah, me. exactly. Yeah, you'd, I mean... Mm-hmm. It's it's tough to, you know, be like a brave eleven year old walking through this, and also <laughs> right. you're just naive as an eleven year old. You don't really know what's going on because people are protecting you. And this is a uh, this is the story for a lot of people. You know, a lot of people's parents, sadly, in this world, do get divorced. Exactly. Um, yeah. And do get do do separate and have go through hardships. Mm-hmm. But so my parents they end up getting separated. Um, and again, you know, my my mom she tried as much as she could, but it was just a lot of things that my dad was struggling with with his own personal life, with his walk with Christ, yeah, um, and just with sins that he was hiding from people. Um, and I, I feel like the enemy was trapping him in a corner, making him feel that he was alone, mm. making him feel like he couldn't open up to anyone, mm. he couldn't bring anyone in on it. And you know, as a family, we tried. You know, my parents got separated when I was eleven, and then. Um, probably by the age of, from the age of 12 to 14, a lot of, a lot of stuff happened in my family when it comes to uh, interventions with my dad and him going to uh, therapy and like he would be gone for three months to be at some facility to get help on alcohol or depression or bipolar disorder. He's like, he was on a lot of prescriptions as well. So there was a lot of different avenues that we took, a lot of counseling. He went through a lot of counseling. Um, and again, something to point out, he was a strong believer. Wow. Um, and he truly was. He was actually an elder in our church. Um, and, I, and another thing is, that's actually what some of my brothers struggled with. Mm-hmm. Um, they struggled with, wait, he was an elder in the church, but he struggled with all these things. So there's two sides to it. You know, it's like, yeah, he was a strong believer um, and he struggled with this. But then a lot of people see the other side. It's like, you're a strong believer, but you're struggling with this. Right. You know, so it was easy to judge. Mm-hmm. Um, and not say they were judging in a bad way at all, but it was just hard for them to see why he's struggling with that. So anyway, from the age of 12 to 14, a lot of stuff happened. Um, and don't have to go into the, the deep dive of those um, specific situations. But yeah. uh, like I said, interventions and a lot of therapy for my dad. My parents ended up getting divorced um, in January of 2015. Okay. Um, sorry. 
Well, I was 15. You were 15. January yeah. 2011. There you go. Um, I get those dates wrong all the time because mm-hmm. I because of my age and. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, they get divorced January of 2011. Um. And I I actually at that time was 14. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously it was tough, but granted, you know, we saw it coming the whole way. Right. Um. There was one time my dad actually came back to live with my mom, um. But my dad lived upstairs with me in my room actually. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think it was really hard on my dad. You know, my dad loved my mom with all that he had. Totally. And I think he realized the, the sins and struggles in his own life um, was what was causing the divide in my family. Mm-hmm. And I think he realized that even though he wasn't, but it's like the enemy was trapping him and making him feel it was all his fault and mm-hmm. he couldn't do anything to recti- rectify it. Wow. So he ended up actually... It was really tough on me. I came home from school one day and I think I was, you know, uh, 13 at this time. And my dad left a note saying, Hey, um, I can't do this anymore. And he left for probably, I probably didn't see him a month and he actually ended up getting a house, like literally the street down the road from my mom, mm-hmm. um, which was funny enough. But so there was moments where my parents tried, but they just couldn't, um, they couldn't work it out just with the situation at hand. So parents ended up getting divorced. And again, you know, 14 years old, pretty naive to the situation. Uh, my dad actually ended up getting remarried um, to a lady who will go unnamed. But really tough situation on my mom um, and just a really tough situation as a whole because that was a really um, messed up situation. But yeah. he ends up getting remarried. Um, and I actually I remember I went to camp that summer and he broke the news to me right before I left camp. He was like, yeah, I'm getting, getting married. I'm like, well. Um, so then I come back from camp and then... They get married. I actually help that lady move into my dad's house. Wow. And then I help her move out of my dad's house. Mm. Um, she was actually planning to, she was planning to file for divorce um, because she, there was a lot of things that was happening and um, yeah, I don't want to dive into that. But totally. so she ended up filing for divorce. And again, my dad was at probably the lowest point of his life. Mm. You know, he... He lost his one true love, which was my mom, and he, my, my, my brothers um, weren't on talking terms with him, and, you know, I, the 14, 15-year-old kid wasn't really on talking terms with his dad as much as I wish I would have been, because I'm 14 and 15, you know? At that age, you don't really think anything's wrong. Right. Um, you're just so focused on yourself and going to school and hanging out with your friends. hmm So, my dad... Uh, like I said, that lady left him, um, and he was all alone. And um, there was a couple, a couple signs, you know, like um, the first intervention we had with him a couple years prior. We, he actually sent us his first suicide text message, mm-hmm. um, and obviously it was really hard on my mom. And we immediately got in the car, went to North Carolina to our cabin, and had an intervention. And that's when he went first to therapy and went through that whole process and. There's a couple more signs throughout the years of maybe another text or a, a weird comment or him drinking a little too much. But then uh, December um, well, December 30th of 2011, uh, my dad actually ended up committing his own life, mm-hmm. um, taking, taking his own life, committing suicide. And it was, I mean, I just turned 15 in November. Right. So obviously an extremely hard... Thing for a 15 year old to walk through mm-hmm. I remember that night I remember that night like it was yesterday um, just the whole experience the whole 
the text message from our dad who texted our mom um, and told us to come to the house. Mm. You know, I was, it, it was, it was traumatic. So traumatic. Um, and I think, you know, as, as someone who's 20, I'm only 25, but genuinely, if that, w- if that wouldn't have happened, that whole experience mm. from 11 to 14, 15, I, I wouldn't be the man I am today. Mm. I probably wouldn't be married to you. Yeah. I wouldn't follow Christ with the adoration and love and full-on commitment that I do now. Mm. You know, because after my dad took his own life, I went through a couple years of my own journey mm-hmm. of saying no to church, saying no to God's word, saying no to Christ, denying the call and living my own life. Right. Because I was hurt. I was broken. Mm-hmm. I was anxious. I was at times struggled with depression. Well, and I was going to ask you too, like, you know, going through something like that, how do you even see that there are brighter days ahead? I mean, you know, when I'm, when I think about when I was 14 or 15, I was exactly what you said, so naive to what was really going on around me. And then it's kind of like one day, maybe it was for you in high school or in college where you just woke up and really felt the weight and reality of Mm -hmm. the situation. And I mean, you're not going to just wake up and be like, you know what, I'm going to choose God's faithfulness today. (laughs) You know, like I'm going to choose like brighter days ahead. I mean, you, you've told me, you know, privately the times where you have walked through you know, times where it's just like, no, I'm feeling insanely anxious. I'm feeling isolated. I'm feeling abandoned. Yeah. Um, go into that because there's yeah. so many reoccurring themes that come after a traumatic situation mm-hmm. like that. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I, so after my dad passed, I went through a lot of counseling. Yeah. Um, and I remember one of my most, my last counselor, I went through like four or five different ones. But my last counselor, actually when we were dating, mm-hmm. he explained uh, the amygdala, which is the front portion of your brain, mm-hmm. um, and how it's, it's not fully formed to you at a certain age. So when you have traumatic experiences at young ages, mm-hmm. it actually, in a sense, completely changes the wiring of your brain. Wow. Um, and he explained this story where uh, he was a kid, and he actually had a snake, funny enough, as a pet. Um, which is so crazy. I don't know why you have a, yeah, a snake. Yeah, who would a want a pet snake? Because <laughs> um, it actually ended up biting him on the face. Oh, gosh. Um, when he was sleeping. So anyway, they gave the snake away, and he was okay. But he said, you know, that was, hap- that was when he, I think he was in high school. And now he's in his 40s. Right. And he's walking along a trail. And he steps to the left of the trail and sees what looks like to be a snake to him. Mm. And he jumps back and freaks out. His friend, on the other hand, didn't move because his friend saw that it was just a stick. But what he was explaining to me was because of his traumatic experience, now everything he sees is different. Wow. Because the traumatic experience that he experienced at such a young age, mm-hmm. now the way he sees the world, the way he sees conversations, people, um, other experiences, other people's experiences, he sees them differently. Mm. Because the front part of his brain... Um, I can't remember what he said. I'm not a scientist or psychologist, so I don't mm-hmm. want to butcher it. But, you know, the um, the fear response, right. in a sense, it, it's not working properly as it should. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that moment, he thought it was a snake, and he was 100% sure it was a snake. 
but his friend swallow was a stick. Wow. And it's so funny how we can see things differently as people based on what we experience in our life. Exactly. Um, so yeah, definitely. I mean, like what you said, I dealt with a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And you were seeing I, it through. I was that seeing lens. it through the lens of what happened when I was twelve to right. fifteen of the feeling of abandonment, mm. the feeling of being alone. Yeah. You know, because what was so hard on me too is, I mean, it was mid, at that time I was in middle school, and middle school was like, oh, it's already so oh, hard. It's the worst. It's so funny. I wish. I hope my kids. I'm. A, I'm gonna take our kids and <laughs> homeschool them through middle school so they don't have to experience the no. harsh. Words. I of, don't know. Of yeah. Drew, of a Drew. <laughs> I don't know whoever loves middle. I mean, if yeah, if you're listening to this and you had a great middle school experience, then you're well, one of a kind. <laughs> I don't think know. anyone had a great middle yeah, school experience. Yeah. Oh gosh. But no, exactly. The fact that but, that happened to you. Yeah. yeah. So I was in I was in middle school, and middle school was already hard enough. But I would go to school, and I was walking through a, a you know, a phase of transformation as a kid. You know, and mm-hmm. I was a little chubby and a little short and just some you know just yeah. funny things and you're and, getting bullied you yeah, said yeah, on top was, of what so you're that was going that was also extremely hard for myself because you know I was alone at home yeah um and it was really just me and my mom mm-hmm. and my dad obviously was in and out in and out but then I would go to school and I would get bullied and mm-hmm. I would come home and I would I would cry yeah and my mom it was so hard because she was running her own business and she would really feel bad for me, but she had to kind of be in so many different places. And my, my mom's, you know, or she's the best person on this planet. She's and amazing. I love her. Yeah. Um, and she, it was just hard on her because she was trying to raise an 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 year old by herself. Right. Um, and so anyway, like I look through life through a lot of different lenses. You know, mm-hmm. I look through the abandonment lens, the bully lens, the loneliness lens. Mm-hmm. I think loneliness is something that a lot of people struggle with and they don't actually tell people. 100%. And I think in from what I'm hearing through your testimony, you know, there is this this reoccurring theme of isolation and loneliness and the enemy trying to attack us in those moments and making us feel like there's no one else in the world going through what we're mm. going through and that we are segregated in our own weakness and no one is ever going to realize how deep and dark Mm. we got and that's what you see with a lot of these cases whether it was with your dad or Chesley or several several people that Mm -hmm. are struggling with this mental health crisis that's going on and I really do think the enemy is completely using isolation and loneliness even to this day with COVID you know he's trying to got even worse it got even worse and so you can so see that that is a tactic of the enemy Mm -hmm. even from your story of making you feel like you're alone and trying to you know heal and and navigate being a 14 year old boy and all that and so that leads me to my next question of just like you know where did you go from there because you know obviously you're you grew up in a family of strong christians Mm -hmm. your mom was your mom and your dad you know led you in the way of the lord Mm -hmm. but there comes a time where, you know, we can't control life circumstances. This happened to you. And like, was there a moment where you're like, okay, this is my story and I'm going to have to heal and I'm going to have to carry on. Yeah. So the night my dad passed, um, I ended up actually going home and I opened up my Bible. It was one of Mm. the first things that I did. Wow. And what such a God thing, because I opened up my Bible and the first verse I opened to Never read the verse before. It was James 1, 2 through 4. Mm. And what I didn't know now, that would become, what I didn't know then would become now my, my life verse. Your life motto, yeah. But What's James, the verse? James 1, 2 through 4, consider it pure joy, brethren, mm. when you face trials of many kind. 
for the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And once you're once you have perseverance, you'll be full and, and lacking nothing. Wow. And you know, as a fifteen year old kid who just lost his dad to suicide and walking through this traumatic experience, the last thing I wanted to hear was trials are good for you. Yeah, exactly. It's like I remember literally sitting at my desk in my room reading that verse and just laughing <laughs> and closing my word and putting it away. Mm. And I you know, for literally all of high school, what my life looked like was one foot in, one foot out, mm. just sitting on the fence. Yeah. And I went to a private Christian high school. I always went to church on Sundays. Check the boxes. I went to youth group on Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. And again, my mom is a God-fearing woman of like she. She's the strongest woman. She I know. loves the Lord with all of her heart. Absolutely. Um, and she raised all of us to be that way. And it, obviously, I wasn't saying no to it, but I was. I was saying not yet. I was mm. like, hey, I'm okay for right now, um, but eventually. I'll, I'll follow him with the adoration that I see my mom following him. Right. So anyway, I go through high school, time to choose a college. I thought I was going to go to Palm Beach Atlantic, um, but I ended up going to Southeastern, which was such a God thing. Go to Southeastern University in Lakeland, Florida to go play soccer. And um, my whole college career had a lot of ups and downs with injuries um, and relationships and just, just crazy things. But I remember... Um, 2017, no, 20, 20, 2017. Mm-hmm. So long story short, I actually leave Southeastern, come to FGCU. The Lord calls me back to Southeastern because mm-hmm. um, I wanted to go on my own little detour <laughs> and goes comes back to Southeastern. And I remember I'm coming back 2017 um, and I, I, I struggled actually with you know a lot of partying and mm-hmm. um you know, being in a bubble for majority of my life in college, it's your first time you're not in a bubble. You make yeah. your own decisions, and you have to you have to make your own decisions, and then live up to those. Like, kind of be like, oh shoot, I made that decision, and it was a bad decision, or it was a good decision. Like, this is the first time in your life where you're an adult, yeah, and you're making those decisions. So it was a lot. It, I didn't make great decisions. And they, uh, the side note, but. Um, yeah, you can say that you went through your party phase yeah, and course. all that. But his college friends, just to put this in perspective, called him Groovy Grady. Oh. <laughs> because you can see that's his, uh, that's his party animal name, Groovy yeah. Grady. My hips don't lie like Shakira. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, you, yeah, yeah I, had a, I had a good time and I made good memories with my friends. But at the same time, but, yeah. you know, I had a lot of hurt. And, and there comes reality, a moment, too, where you're like, what am I doing? Yeah. In reality, I was masking the pain mm. from when I was 15 years old. Exactly. And I think there's a lot of different ways you can mask pain in this world. Mm-hmm. Instagram. Yeah. TikTok, social media, TV. Partying. But then the yeah. other side, alcohol. Mm-hmm. Pills. Yeah. Prescription pills. I mean, you can say you have depression and go take um, whatever new pill there is for depression, and it's just masking. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, and again, I don't say that to look at the person who's taking pills that have depression and say you're doing something bad, because I don't think you are. But at the same time, most of the things we do are band-aids to the real wound. Oh, wow. um, and so I'm, you know, 2017, and I found myself drinking mm-hmm. so much that almost every time I would drink, I'd black out. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I was slowly becoming my dad. Mm-hmm. And... My dad was one of my, he was my best friend. Yeah. And I would never say anything bad about him because I think he just struggled with things that it was really hard to break through. But one of the things he struggled with was drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. And 
I found myself slowly becoming the anxious, depressed, alcoholic, yeah, sin-deprived person. Not sin-deprived, but like sin-entrapped person mm-hmm. that my dad was. And it was kind of like a wake-up call for myself. Wow. I was like, if I don't get a hold of this now, then I'm truly just going to go down the path that my dad went. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember in 2017, I'm in my room um, in the soccer house with <laughs> eight other guys. And but rent was super cheap, which was nice. Um, <laughs> Only plus side. Yeah, two hundred and fifty bucks. <laughs> I had my own room, which was pretty crazy. Dang. So in my own room, and it's probably like I don't know, a Sunday or a Saturday, and went out the night before, and I actually went to this chapel that they had at Southeastern, and I remember towards the end of twenty seventeen, you know, I I ended up spraining my ankle, so I wasn't able to play again. I got injured so much, um, and my best friend at the time Jake Vanderloot tore his ACL so we were both in this position of like we couldn't really go out with our friends anymore so we had to you know do other things right so we found ourselves going to church together again um and going to the chapels at Southeastern and reading our word together and just spending quality time so I remember like towards the end of 2017 I felt that pull I was like gosh there's something better in this world um and I feel like the Lord has something really good for me but it's my decision to take it. Right. And I went to this chapel with Jake. It was called Ola Night. And it was a, it was a really cool thing that they did at Southeastern. But they brought in this really good uh, pastor. And he spoke about when Jesus called the disciples. Mm-hmm. And he spoke saying that when Jesus called the disciples, he told them to follow me. But what's crazy is that the disciples were literally in their livelihood. It's like the Lord coming to me right now at the Viage group <laughs> mm-hmm. and making good money to support our family. But yet he comes to me and says, follow me and leave what you're doing. Right. Leave it. Just no more. Leave it. Done. And that's exactly the way to the disciples. Mm-hmm. They were fishers and that was their job. Right. That was how they put food on the table. And little... he comes to them and they have no idea who he is. And he, he just says, follow me. Wow. And they, they get up without hesitation and they follow him. And the pastor said that we need to start praying prayers that takes us out of our boat, mm-hmm. that takes us out of our comfort zone. Mm. And I, I started praying those prayers just under my breath um, because I, I was just tired of the life I was living. I was tired of the hurt and the pain um, and the Band-Aids. Mm-hmm. I feel like I had boxes of Band-Aids in my room. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, no, I want to get down to the real issue. Mm-hmm. I want to I gouge out the wound. You know? Exactly. Um, and I remember being in my room on the floor and just bawling my eyes out just wow. one day in 2017. And I felt like, I, I, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit in a way I never felt before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt the weight of the world being lifted off of my shoulders. I felt for once I was almost being healed from the inside out, not from the outside in. Wow. And from that day forth, literally I hated the taste of alcohol. Mm. And you know, Saying that, I still struggled. Yeah. And there were times after that experience in my room where I messed up. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we are fleshly beings trying to live. Exactly. Uh, or trying to live for the spirit in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyway, so there were times that I messed up after. But I remember that time like it was yesterday in my room. And I left my room and the taste of alcohol was disgusting to me and the feeling of going out I didn't want that anymore I just wanted to be a part of something better and greater wow and to follow the Lord with all that I had so 
I started doing little Bible studies in the house with the soccer guys and then ended up actually in January and February, January slash February of 2018, um, me and a couple other athletes started um, athletic Bible study. Mm. And that was what I was praying. I was praying for the Lord to take me out of my comfort zone. And that was being me taken out of my comfort zone. And it was a fork in the road. It was like I can either continue to live the life I was living. Wow. Anxiety, depression, frustration, alcohol, et cetera, et cetera. What the world says is going to make you happy. Yep. Right? But what the world says is going to make you happy always leads you to anxiety, depression. More. Pill. And then what goes from there? More. Mm -hmm. And then more. And it says, okay, well, if that doesn't work, try this. But then I had to the fork in the road, and it was just Jesus. Wow. And Jesus is what heals. Mm-hmm. Jesus is what heals, brings freedom. Jesus is what brings Amen. everything that you need in this life and more. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing is that when you follow Jesus, then you find amazing relationships. Mm-hmm. Then you find the wife that you love and you mm-hmm. want to spend the rest of your life with. Then you find amazing job. There's so many other things that come from that. Mm-hmm. Just like Matthew says, seek first the kingdom of God and I'll also be added to you. Yeah. That verse is so true. Wow. And for the first of my life, I had this fork and I chose to go right. I chose to go, okay, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And I've never looked back. That's and amazing. it's been the best. That's been like my testimony, you know? It's so, it, it brings me chills every time to where... Even on our first date, we got into all of that, actually. I felt like we just, it was like, here I am, and here I am, and hopefully you understand every part of me, but I remember you telling me all of this, and I remember you saying this one thing to me, and you're like, is that too messy for you? Like, (laughs) is my story too messy for you? And I'm like, oh my gosh, no, babe. Like, you're amazing. But it's because when I met you, I saw this immense healing and transformation in someone that was only 24 at the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so rare in guys today, mm-hmm. genuinely, because a lot of guys, and I'm not trying to like say not a lot of girls too, but a lot of guys, especially, they don't want to confront and heal from a lot of past issues and past trauma. And so because you're our first guy on the podcast, and obviously my husband, you can speak from so many areas of your life, but like how, like, if you were to even just talk to, like, your soccer guys, like, what would you say in the fact that if something has happened to you, like, to try and confront it and try and choose Jesus and try and find that healing? Like, like why why would you want to do that? Well, I think it's like flipping the, the perspective. And you look at, when you look at a trial, you think it's bad for you. Mm. And you think it's, like, obviously, you know, I'm never going to go tell someone when your parent commits suicide is good for you. Mm-hmm. You should want that. Because of course you shouldn't want that. Never, yeah. But I think it's flipping the perspective and saying, okay, instead of seeing trials are bad for me and I hate them and that when they come, because they're inevitable. Mm-hmm. Trials are inevitable. Right. Um, you know, we're either, I heard the pastor say this, we're either walking into the valley of the shadow of death or we're walking out of it mm-hmm. into something other, into another valley. Mm-hmm. We're always going th- from a trial to a mountain to a trial to a mountain to yep. a trial to a mountain because for the most part we learn in trials and then we celebrate on the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we can learn on the mountaintop, but from my perspective of what I've walked through, I learned the most in trials. Me too. And I think that it's flipping the perspective, and, you know, because as men, what the world says is you don't show your emotions. Exactly. You, you don't know, find you, you hide, counseling. Yeah, you, you, you hide the, the pain that you're feeling. You don't show it to anyone. And then what happens when you do that? It ends up coming out when you're 40 and you're 50. Mm-hmm. And you see these really sad stories of men leaving their family because they can't deal with it Mm -hmm. and then you have kids being raised without fathers Mm -hmm. and for the most time for the most part we see in this world people have 
dad hurt, not mm-hmm. mom hurt. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. women are always there for the most part in their families. Wow. And then, but it, on the on the flip side, it's it's the dad that has something in his own life that he can't deal with. So the first thing he decides is just to leave. Mm. In reality, we need to flip that script and say, no, what we need to do is deal with the issues at hand so that down the road we don't leave. Exactly. So that we can be an amazing father and an amazing mm. husband. Mm. Um, so good, baby. And I, and I think the, what a, you know, the verse that I read when I was, um, what, 15, James 1, 2 through 4. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that verse has changed my life. And what's so cool is the word perseverance um, so consider it pure joy, my brother, when you face trials of many kind, for the testing of your faith produces perseverance. That word perseverance in other translations is patience. Mm. And the word patience actually translates to a word called hupomone. Wow. Um, and a hupomone, I believe, is a Greek word. And it paints the picture of a really heavy rock and a guy underneath of it holding it. Mm. And he doesn't drop the rock. Because he knows that holding the rock is going to make him stronger. Mm. So he sits there underneath of it. And he keeps holding it. And eventually the rock will fall off by itself. But he knows that if he stays underneath that rock, he's going to become a stronger individual. Wow. And that's the view of trials. Because, I mean, I, I'm trying to find another verse that says that once we have perseverance and patience, we'll be full and complete, lacking nothing. Yeah. I mean, that right there needs some studying. Absolutely. Like, we need to speak on that because that, like, like I said, trials are inevitable. Yeah. So we need to have, we need to have the weapons and the defense to go into a trial. Mm-hmm. But also we need to understand what the trial is good for. And it's good to make us stronger individuals. Amen. Um, it's because it's what's doing. It's mm-hmm. preparing us for the next trial exactly. and for the next trial and for the next trial. I'm only 25. You're only 24. Mm-hmm. We're going to go through many other things down the road. Right. But I believe what I experienced at 15 prepared me for the 15 trials coming next. Mm, so good. So. so good. I mean, wisdom beyond your years. That's why I married you. Not at all. <laughs> but, but seriously, yeah, I, no, I, exactly. I, truly, I truly think, you know, as, as men in this world, if other men are listening, yeah. um, you know, men are brave and beautiful. Um, and <laughs> brave if, and handsome. Yeah, yeah, if other men are listening, and even the girls that are listening, you know, you have boyfriends that maybe walk this t- kind of life. It's like, hey, they don't, you know, because it's like, it's so funny. I feel like our relationship's so flipped. Mm. I'm the one that always wants to talk. Yes. <laughs> talk about your feelings. Yeah. Express everything. But totally. in a normal relationship in today's mm-hmm. world that I see my other friends in, it's the guy that never wants to talk and the girl trying to force everything out of him. Right, right. But I think as men, we need to drop that because mm-hmm. I don't think that's actually masculinity. No. I don't think that is, like, that's not how Jesus lived his life. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And if we want to become like Jesus, then we need to live like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we need to strive to be like Jesus. And we're never going to become him. Mm. We're never going to be like him, but we can strive to be like him. Amen. And how did he live his life? He, he didn't live his life by hiding from others and in the corner and not sharing his feelings. Mm-hmm. He confronted situations. Mm-hmm. He expressed how he felt. Mm-hmm. And I just think as men, we need to slowly start to become more like that. Amen. Anyways, just to round this up, I just want to give you um, just like the last couple seconds of, um, you know, just kind of imparting a little bit more wisdom too on the area of counseling. And I know like a lot of people do say, you know, I'm just highly depressed. I'm highly anxious. Um, I have some people in my life right now that are saying, I just want to die. And they just throw around that phrase like so easily. Like, I just wish I could die. 
And, you know, when you hear that, you don't really think, like, is this serious? Mm. Is this genuinely, like, their inner thoughts? Or are they just saying this as, like, you know, a form of exaggeration? And so you've you've walked through this. You've had a front row seat. Um, you shared, you've shared so much of your life experience. Just kind of share, too, of, like, just, again, you know, going back to the power of counseling, the power of going back to Jesus and how, you know, you can overcome massive things like depression, anxiety when you do choose the Lord. Yeah, I think it's a really tough situation because um, I hear a lot of people say I'm depressed. Right. And it's almost like a cry for help because you wouldn't say that if you, I don't think you would say that if you really were truly depressed. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, and again, there's people listening on this podcast who are walking through depression and I've walked through it. Yeah, exactly. And who are walking through anxiety, and I've walked through the same thing. Right. Cripple, anxiety is a real thing, and it cripples you. Um, I remember in the first phase of our dating life, I walked through so much anxiety. You know? mm-hmm. um, but I think my biggest advice to people that are walking through depression, walking through suicidal thoughts, walking through anxiety, is you can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. You can't. Mm-hmm. There's this beautiful story in Exodus. Um, and I read it again, but I read it couple years ago I think two years ago and gosh it's a beautiful story about um so Moses Moses Aaron and her I think um so anyway they're they're going to fight the I believe it's the Ishmaelites I could be wrong um but I believe it's the Ishmaelites and uh it's this amazing story where the Lord tells tells Moses to go on top of the hill Mm -hmm. and to raise his staff and as long as his staff is raised then the Israelites will prevail. But if his staff falls, then the Ishmaelites, I believe it's the Ishmaelites, could be somebody else, but whoever they're fighting will prevail. Mm. So Moses and two of his buddies, Aaron and Hur, I believe, go up on the mountain. And Moses begins to get tired. So what does Aaron and Hur do? They see that he's tired. Moses never asks, but they see that he's tired and they bring a stone for him to sit on. And one of his friends grabs the other side of the staff and the other grabs the other side of the staff so three men are now lifting this staff not one alone but three together wow and it's so cool because three men in that story where what does it say in god's word also about um uh, three people Mm -hmm. you know two or more yeah Yeah, two or more gathered he is there and also you can't do life alone right um and that verse is so powerful um that story in x is so powerful because moses never asked his friends just saw that he was getting tired. Wow. And that's what we need in our life. We need we friends that see that we're getting tired and they come to our need before we even ask. Mm. And that's what's so tough nowadays because we just go on Instagram and TikTok and TV and alcohol and all these things to mask the feelings that we truly have. Yet we don't bring people in to mm-hmm. help us with those issues. Right. Counseling is amazing and amazing and amazing resource. And I would recommend everyone to go through counseling. But... If we're not wanting to go through the counseling, it's just people telling us to go to counseling, then it's just another Band-Aid. Exactly. We have to want the healing. We have to seek the healing. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing, sweetie. <laughs> this has been, um, I'm, I learned so much from you telling your testimony every single time, and I pray that the Lord continues to use his story in the lives of um, the listeners and people around. But um, yeah, if you guys 
have more that you want to hear from Grayson on this topic, I would love to get him more on the mic because obviously this is a um, full topic that comes with so many things that we can touch on and uh, it's impossible to put his testimony of 25 years in a 40 minute podcast. But thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Grayson, for being on. First, first guy of the Be Brave and Beautiful podcast. Wow. I got paid very handsomely to be on this podcast. Yeah, mm -hmm, with kisses. Mm -hmm. Um, But thank you guys for listening and stay tuned for the next podcast. See you guys later. Thank you for listening to the Be Brave and Beautiful podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our channel, leave a rating, and follow us on Instagram at Be Brave and Beautiful. See you next time.